Tonight, I, this is one of my favorite stories. It, it's a sad story, but it's still one of my favorite books of the Bible, and, and I love, love the story. We're going to look in the book of Jonah, and uh, Peyton was telling me today, he said, somebody asked me one time, where do you find Jonah in the Bible? He said, in the book of Jonah. I said, well, that's true. He's found in a couple other spots too, but that's a good one to start at. And we're going to go to the book of Jonah, chapter 1 and verse 1 tonight. And this is something you probably, uh, in your beginner class, when you was a kid growing up, you, you heard about Jonah. And uh, we're, we're going to read just a little bit here, and we're going to get to preaching. We'll come back to our text. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3 says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Wow. He's, he's taken off. He's leaving the presence of the Lord. That, it, like I said, that's one of my favorite stories, but it's still such a sad story to read through. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of of the Lord. Father, I thank you for your word, and I ask you tonight, Lord, to anoint me. It's Your word's already anointed. I'm asking you to anoint me to speak the words you give me. Hide me behind the shadow of the cross. Let our ears and our eyes be open to see and to hear what you'd have to say, and let the root of the word, the seed of the word, go down deep and take root inside of us, and it would grow and manifest in our life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe that the book of Jonah is one of the saddest books in the Bible. I also believe it has been preserved and placed in the Bible for our benefit. There's so many uh, ways that you could go with the Jonah story and so many lessons to learn, so many godly principles that are in there. And, and it's for all of us. You can find yourself in this book. What I want to talk to you tonight is from the sermon title, What to Do When I Don't Know What to Do But Don't Want to Do What I Know to Do. What to do when I know what to do, but don't want to do what I know to do. I'm still looking. I'm still waiting on it. Media guy's going to have some fantastic thing pop up there in just a minute. <clears throat> when I was writing this, this, this is the words I, I wrote down. Can we take down our guard and be transparent tonight? I want this word tonight to get down deep inside of us. Let us understand what's going on here. I want us to see ourselves. I want us to see ourselves in these scriptures tonight and who we really are. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not attacking myself or you or anything else. I want us to see ourselves in this story of Noah tonight. We're messed up people needing God. What did I say, Noah? Jonah, help me out, folks. Preach with me. It's Jonah tonight. <laughs> Keep me straight. Keep me straight. It, it's written down. I'll, I'll tell you, it's written down, Jonah. I just, I'm going to say whatever I want to say, apparently. We're messed up people needing a God to direct us in everything. And you know there's only one God. Today I, I talked with a gentleman, and he said, well, all roads lead to heaven. And I was just smiling, talking to him, and he said, oh, wait, wait, that's, that's not right. All roads don't lead to heaven. All roads don't lead to heaven. And we understand that as Christians. But things are messed up in this world. And so many times as Christians, even we get messed up on some things. I don't need help 
in messing things up. How many needs help in messing something up? We had three boys. We still have them all. We didn't sell any of them. And uh, all three of them never had to be taught how to be messy. It never did I have to teach them how to throw their clothes on the floor. Because it, it, it just comes natural. It's just one of the things. I said, pick that up. Well, Dad, I just took it off. I said, yeah, but if I don't tell you now, tomorrow it'll still be there because you didn't pick it up now. I didn't have to teach them to be messy. It was a talent they, they were born with, apparently. It's a quality that no one wants to admit that we have. It's a hidden talent that we hope that stays hidden, that nobody finds out. That way it won't cause any more trouble for ourselves. I want to address my sermon title, What to Do When I Know What to Do, But Don't Want to Do What I Know to Do. This is Jonah, not Noah. This was Jonah. This was Jonah here. He knew exactly what the voice of the Lord had told him. And, and he, goes, he goes in the opposite direction. And we're going to examine this just a little bit. The first thing we can see in this statement is how we deal with our own rebellion. Oh, pastor, this is Wednesday night. You really have to hit the hammer on rebellion on a Wednesday night. That's for the Sunday morning crowd. That's for the ones that just pop in on Sunday morning. They don't go to all three services all week. It's just the Sunday morning. They need to hear about rebellion, pastor. We all need to hear this sermon. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Do we need another interpretation of that? Did everybody get that translation? Or do we need to hear, you know, we can go through all the different translations. I think this is pretty plain right here. We can understand this. If we know to do something... And, and to do it right and to do it good. And we don't do it. The Bible, the authority we base our life on, says it's a sin. Oh, my. God help us. He's calling out our sin. He's, he's telling us how to live. My dad used to preach a sermon. He said, I was sent here to tell you how to live. And every time he said that, I was like, Oh, my word. Come on, man. Stop trying to tell us what to do. That's what a pastor, that's what a preacher, that's what he's declaring the Word of God. And this Word of God is speaking through the pastor and the evangelist and the preacher and telling us how to live, showing us the ways of God, showing us so we're not deceived by the enemy, that knowing that if we don't do good, do, what's, do what we're supposed to be doing, it's sin to us. It is sin to us. Peyton asked me tonight, he said, well, he heard my sermon title. He goes, are you preaching? And if you know to do good and do it not to you, it's sin. I was like, no, that's not. I said, it's in my sermon, but it's not my sermon text. Aren't you glad that the word of, word of the Lord is plain and to the point? There's no hesitation in this scripture. It's understandable. It hits the bullseye, and we know what to do. And when we don't do it, it's sin. That's why I'm always careful when you hear a sermon. Once you hear it again, you're responsible for what you heard. You're responsible to this word of God. You can't plead ignorance anymore. I heard it. I heard it from the book. Romans 6.23 said, for the wages, for the wages, that word wages right there means the payment for. 
there's a payment. If you want to sin, there's a payment that, that God's going to give out. And, and it's not something he wants to do, but it's something you're choosing. But the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like good gifts. I wish my boys would ever learn that and buy me one at Christmas time. Every year, back when they was even little, they'd ask, Dad, can I borrow some money? And then uh, I'd say, yeah, for what? And they'd say, well, we want to buy you a Christmas gift. And I'd say, okay. And uh, so you'd think the more money you get, the better present you get? No. That's not the way that works with them. So if I give them $20, $25, I'm going to get a 5 or $10 present, and they're going to keep the rest of the money. Not only that, they didn't split the money up, and each of them buy me something. They bought one gift from all of them. And it's usually something silly. It'd be like a Snoopy shirt. It'd have some goofy saying on it. One year it was the um, high C guy. What's Kool-Aid guy? Yeah. Hey. Whatever his little logo is. That's the kind of presence I get. I like good gifts. I love eternal life that we can have in Christ Jesus. I don't want the wages of sin. I don't want the payment of sin. I want eternal life with Jesus. I want to stay away from sin. So I'm going to keep reading this book. I'm going to keep watching in it and, and, and examine my own life and make sure that sin's not there. Sin is connected with suffering and even death. We can see that right there in the Scripture. The connection is real, it's intimate, and it's inevitable if you continue to sin. Nothing is more clearly manifested or more generally admitted, yet nothing is more practically disregarded. People think they can sin and get away with it. You know, God's just going to wink at that sin. That wasn't that big a deal, you know. Wasn't that much money I didn't give the bank back. What? You're supposed to take the money back when they give you too much? Yes. When you recognize it, yes. I had an argument one day in Walmart with a woman. I give her money. I knew exactly what I'd give her. She'd give me way too much change back. If you've noticed nowadays, even at McDonald's, they put pictures of the hamburger and fries on there because our, our society can't count money anymore. So they had to push. Well, I don't know what number to push. So I'm going to just push a hamburger. I'm going to push a French fry. That's kind of the way this lady was. I'm, I, I'm not trying to be mean to her. I'm not giving you her name or where the location was. So there you go. She didn't know how to count change. She'd give me way too much change back. I told her, I said, ma'am, this is way too much. And she said, no, you give me a 20. I said, no, I give you a 10, and you're giving me way too much change. But no, you give me a 20. I said, ma'am, I don't have $20. I know what I had. I had 10 bucks. She would not accept it. She would not take my money back. I got the manager over there, and he said, she said you give me a 20. I said, I can't give. So I had to walk out of there with that money. I know that happens. There was one time I had, this happened right here in our bank here in Greenbrier. I told them, I said, you give me too much money. They said, no, we don't make that kind of mistake. They kept on, you give me 100 bucks too much? Nope, nope, nope. About 4 o'clock, they, they rung my phone and said, hey, we think we give you $100 too much. Can you bring that back to us? I said, nope, not till tomorrow. I said, you'll get it tomorrow. I said, I, I tried to give it back, and you wouldn't take it. Tomorrow, I, I took it back to them. It's amazing, it's amazing. Sin is just disregarded. We don't think that there's going to be a judgment on sin. We don't think there's going to be a payment for sin that we can just keep on doing whatever we want to do, saying whatever we want to say, and get away from it because the preacher didn't see me say it or do it. Because my wife didn't see me do it or say it. My husband didn't see me do it or say it. I got away with it. That's why I feel sometimes driving. I got away with that one. Whew. I was driving home from Springfield. We went to a funeral Monday driving home, and I was just talking to her, and next thing I know, I was doing 70 miles an hour, and I'm just, 
And, of course, you've seen the police officer. And when I did, I was like, what's the speed limit here? And it was like 55. And I was, I was like, oh, no, I, I deserve a ticket right here. I deserve. And I guess he was on his cell phone, so I didn't get a ticket. Men commit sin under the delusion that they can do so and with an exemption. Just, not, just bypass the punishment. It's not going to happen to me. You know, I see it in the Word, but so many times we're not believing the Word of God and what the Word of God is telling us. Job 4 and 8 says, Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity, and that word iniquity is sin, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Wow, we're, we're seeing a godly principle right here. It was so important that he said it again in a little different way in the New Testament, Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. We need to be planting good seeds. Sin and things we know to do good and we're doing it not. We need to be planting good seeds. We need to be planting good things, not planting sin and iniquity in our lives. God has given us the principles of sowing and reaping in these scriptures. Planting and harvesting. And it's something we need to pay attention to. We don't plant corn and expect green beans to come up. It's pretty simple. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 7, 23 says, But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Wow. That is awesome right there. What did he say? Obey my voice. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. Boy, that's simple again. This, it's incredible how simple this word is. We can, just, we can dissect it. We can go right through it. And then the next line says, And walk in all the ways I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. He gives us the formula right there. Walk in the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. We see in our scripture text, Jonah just ignored what God told him. Just ignored what God told him. Today I got the maps out and was looking at the maps and just seeing exactly where his trip was going to take him and where Nineveh is at. I'm thinking, this dude, this is so deceitful, dishonest. He's bad to the bone. He's doing the wrong. What, What in the world? Like God couldn't look down and see what he was doing? That's what I thought. And God said, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Okay, God, I got it. I'm putting the map up. I got it. If we want Jehovah, the create the creator of all things, great and small, if we want the God that first loved us to be our God, he said to obey my voice. Obey my voice. And I'll be your God. And we'll be his people. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. Do you know, and I've got this somewhere in the sermon later on that says there's more than 10 commandments in the Bible. I see these kind of scripture, and I realize these are promises and commandments we're reading. And we got to understand and realize, wow, that's a promise we can hold on to right there. It's very plain to see the answer to the question, what to do when I know what to do but don't want to do what I know to do. It's sin. It's sin. It's simple. It's a big, long title to come up with a simple answer. I should have come up with a bigger answer for the end of it, I guess. It's just sin. It's disobedience. Lord, help us. In our text, verse 1 says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I'm not sure if this was in a vision, if this was uh, in a dream, an audible voice, or an impression. 
I don't know how the voice of the Lord came to him. What I do know is that Jonah knew and recognized God's instructions. He recognized what God wanted him to do. He knew what to do. He knew the good he was supposed to do. Jonah was being rebellious. We hate hearing that word. Got on to Cardin the other day, and he said, Dad, I just, I just want to do that. I said, but I told you to hush. When I say hush, that means silence. That, that doesn't mean whimper. That doesn't mean cry. That's why I can't have a dog, because I'd get onto it and it'd whimper and cry. I can't do that. When I say hush, it's hush. He kept talking. I said, that's rebellion. I said, you know what rebellion is? I said, the Word of God says it's just like witchcraft. Dad, I would never. I, would. I said, I understand that. But I said, you understand what disobedience is? It's rebellion, and rebellion the Bible compares it to witchcraft. You need to, I need to teach him. We need to learn this ourselves because we get older and after a while we think, well, it's not that big a deal. I'm just, I'm just doing this or that. We can be rebellious just like our kids can. I don't know what kind of voice he heard, but I know he recognized it was God. And he was rebellious. And you know what? It was probably out of fear. It was probably out of fear. Nevertheless, it was still rebellion. There's so many things God calls us to do, tells us to do, sends us to do, and we don't do it thinking it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. What it is, it's rebellion on our part. God is telling us something to do. He's called us to a ministry. He's called us to TFT. He's called us to do different things. And what it is, it's rebellion when we refuse. We think it's not that big a deal. It's not... You know, somebody else will talk to that person about God. Somebody else will do this. Somebody else will fill my position at church. Somebody else will watch the nursery. Somebody else will do whatever. And we don't feel, fulfill what God has called us to do. And that's what we see right here in Jonah. He, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Nineveh was a wicked city. We know that. At one time, it was the largest city in the world. And we understand that uh, this, this town was, and, and I couldn't find all my notes on Jonah. I have a, in my computer, I have this thing that says just Jonah notes. And I, I've just compiled them uh, over the last several years. And uh, I couldn't find all of them. But there were so many statistics I wanted to bring out about Nineveh. But Nineveh was a wicked city. That's enough, that's, that's enough for me. I see this in the Bible. It's a wicked city. And, and somebody, I, I read somewhere, it was 64 miles wide. All right, so we're talking about a huge city. He was scared to go in there because what did God tell him to do? Cry out against them. Buck the system. Go upstream. He knows the wickedness there, and God's called him to go and, and warn them. God had mercy on the people of that wicked city. Nineveh and, and desired to send a prophet to warn them, but Jonah, he was rebellious. He was a disobedient prophet. The man of God hindered God's purpose of mercy. God desired to, to, to spare Nineveh and his mercy and in his mercy, wanted to send his own prophet Jonah to them. This whole story is one of my favorite stories. I already said that. To draw insight to our everyday lives. How many things have we been scared to take on, but we knew God told us to do it? We knew God had told us to do something, and we drug our feet on it. We didn't do it. Sometimes we went the opposite direction from what God called us to do. God, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I haven't been to Bible school. God, I can't do this. I can't do that. God said to do it. God's calling us out to do things that we've never done before. And I'm sure this is something this prophet, I know, I know for a fact back in, uh, help me out, Dad, is it 2 Kings? 
where he, he was prophesying in Second Kingdom. Jonah was. Uh, if I'm wrong, please forgive me, but it's somewhere in there. Uh, chapter 14, 25 is the verse, but I can't remember what, what uh, that was. Uh, anyway, he's, he's had prophecies before. He knew what he was doing. He knew the voice of the Lord, and he knew how to, how to give the message that God wanted him to give. But I believe he was scared of what might happen there. I believe he was afraid he might have died. I believe he was scared he might have died. They were that wicked. Well, again, my favorite story. I love this book. But how many times have we heard the voice of God? And how many times has God showed us which way to go and what to say? And how many times has a song inspired us to a place that God began to deal with us about something, but we just simply refused? We simply refused. Not today, God. It's almost 12 o'clock. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to miss my spot over here at the steakhouse or at Dairy Queen or Steak and Shake. God, I, I don't want to, God calling you down to the altar. You need to come to the altar and pray. God, not today. I've got to do this. God, there's some visitors here. I don't want them to see me come down and bawl and squall in front of you. It, we miss God on some of the simplest things because we're not obedient to what he's telling us to do. Amen. How many times, how many times has a, a preacher spoke the words from heaven straight to our hearts? And how many times has God showed us mercy and spared our lives in different ways? How many times has God spoke directly to our hearts through song, sermon, prophecy, dreams, or visions, and we rebelled against God? How many times? How many times? Too many times. I can see the jet devil jumping on our shoulders right now and whispering in our ears and in the ears of saints. I haven't rebelled. That's not me. I'm not rebellious. I'm, I'm here. I'm in church. I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not rebellious at all. I can hear right now somebody saying, I'm not rebellious. God don't speak to me like that. You better clean them ears out. God's trying to talk to you from the youngest to the oldest in here. God wants to talk to you. I would never rebel, Pastor. That's not me. I would definitely obey his voice, but he just doesn't speak to me that often. Maybe you're just not listening. Maybe that relationship that you need with Jesus is not what it's supposed to be. Maybe you need to shut off the TV so you can hear his voice. Maybe you need to put down the cell phone, get off Facebook. So you can hear his voice. Welcome, youth. Welcome in here, by the way. Right when I got to the cell phone part, you guys are like, really? He's cutting on cell phones already? Hey, we need to hear the voice of the Lord more than we need to see what's on Facebook, TikTok, or Instagram, or Snapchat. Amen. Start paying attention to what God's saying to us. He's still speaking to you and me. He's still take, uh, talking to those that will listen. He still has a plan for our lives. He still has a plan for TFT. He still has a plan for the United States. We need to get our chin up off the ground and realize God's still on the throne and he's still speaking to everyone that will listen. Amen. God is still on the throne of heaven calling the shots. All of creation is still subject to his commands. He's still telling the ocean how far to go. He's still telling the sun when to shine. He still speaks to his sheep. Hallelujah. I love this. It's just a small scripture, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My mom, 
my mom in Walmart when I was a kid growing up. We were her little lambs. I was better than the rest of them, but that, we were little lambs. And my mom would do one thing, and every one of us would come running to her. Let's hear it. That whistle right there, and we all knew mom wanted us there right now. Her sheep knew her voice, knew her whistle. Amen. God's still speaking. My question is, are we hearing him? Are we listening for him? God's still speaking. Are we obeying him? When we decide that we know better than God and we're setting ourselves up for an epic failure. The word for that is rebellion. Rebellion. What to do when I know what to do, but I don't want to do what I know to do. Let's go on. Jonah, chapter 1, verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. They wasn't crying out to Jehovah. They were crying out to their own God. I can just see them. They over there rubbing Buddha's belly. It's going on and on. And they threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? In other words, dude, how can you sleep through this mess? How can you sleep with what's going on here? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And for those of you joining us late, we're talking about Jonah. If you haven't heard about Jonah, he's an awesome character in the Bible that you need to read. It's a big, long book, and uh, it'll take you about 10 minutes to read, maybe. When we are in rebellion to what God has called us to do, verse 4 tells us it's just a matter of time before problems are going to arise. There's a storm brewing when we're in rebellion. The ship we're riding in, the ship of rebellion, is going to start rocking. The ways of life are going to start slamming against us, tossing us from place to place against one wall, rolling all the way over to the other. I was in a ship one time. We were in Mexico somewhere, and uh, I, I got deathly sick on this ship. And I, so I thought, I'm going to lay down in the room. I'm going to be fine. Shelly, she's just like out partying. Woohoo! Went on without me. The vacation went on without me. I laid there, and that ship was just rocking back and forth. Back and, forth. and I was just like roll up against the wall and then roll back this way. That was comfort compared to what they're going through in this story right here. This continually reminds me of our lives today. God has a way of getting our attention. Poor Jonah doesn't even realize what's going on. He doesn't realize. He's trying to run from God. He's going the opposite direction. And he went to sleep in the middle of the storm. He doesn't even know he's about to die. He doesn't even realize. He knows he's in rebellion. He knows he's did the wrong thing. He's run the wrong way. He didn't go where God told him to go, but he thinks he can outrun God. Isn't that about the dumbest thing you ever heard? I'm going to outrun God. I'm going to do the opposite. God will never know. He can't stop me from doing this. I'm going to do this. You know, God wants me to do this. Nah, I'm doing this. Guess what? He knows where you're at. You didn't fool him. He didn't, just because you haven't got the, the punishment or the payment back, back for it, you have to understand, he still sees what's going on. It continually reminds me of how we live our lives and to think that because the preacher doesn't know what God has called me uh, to do, then you know what? I can keep hiding from what God wants me to do. The preacher doesn't know what God called me to do, so I can keep on doing it. 
You know, preacher didn't see me do this or that, so I can do it. Well, my mom and dad didn't see me do that, so I can keep on doing it. God's keeping a record. God understands rebellion. He sees the rebellion in our lives. If you're running from God and what he's called you to do, there's a storm coming. I'm just going to let you know there's a storm coming. Oh, pastor, God would never send a storm in my life just because I'm not doing what he called me to do. Think again. Think again. Matter of fact, I would say most things in life, when you start examining, you'll find out God's sending you a storm to get you back in the position you're supposed to be in. God would never do that. He's a loving God. He's a, he's a, he's a great God. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. He is all them things, but he will straighten you out. He will send some storms. How many remember Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist? The next scripture says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. Well, God would never lead me into the wilderness where it's dry and desolate. That's not God. He would never. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted. God, help us to see your word the way it is. Throughout God's word, men and women are punished for sin. Remember at the start of this, I told you what disobedience is. Disobedience is sin. Disobedience is rebellion. And sin and rebellion will be punished. What to do when I know what to do, but don't want to do what I know to do. That's the title of my sermon tonight. I think we all know the story of Jonah and how after the lot fell on him, he confessed to the mariners that the storm was caused by his rebellion. They're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Jonah lets them know. Uh, the solution, Jonah's solution for them was to toss him overboard and everyone else would be saved. They're scared to do that. What'd they do? They got their, their, their uh, paddles out and they started rowing harder against God. Once again, I'm sitting there thinking, really? He just told you what's going on. He's in rebellion. God sent this storm. like, I cannot be God. Here I go, God. I'm... I'm just saying, that's why I say I read the word. And it's funny when you start looking at that, and it's, it's crazy what they would think, why they would think that way. Anyhow, I believe Jonah thought that he was absolutely going to die. He thought that because his solution was throw me off the ship. It'll save you guys, and I'm going to die in this. What I find really amazing about this, isn't it funny? It's how somebody would rather die than to repent. I'd rather die than repent. He confessed what was going on in his life, but he would rather die than repent. Just because God sent a storm in your life doesn't mean that he doesn't care or love us anymore. Maybe he's trying to get your attention. Maybe he has a plan to put us back on the track he wants us on. That's exactly what happened to Jonah. After going in the opposite direction from God, from where God had told him to go, Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. We see this over and over in the scripture. In, this, in, in chapter 1, we see that. Jonah went down to Joppa. Jonah went down into the ship. Jonah went down into the sea. Jonah went down into the well. Jonah went down to the bottom of the mountains. Then Jonah went down on his knees. The last one I just made up. Because when he's in the depths of the sea, he began to pray. The Bible says he was there three days and three nights. Can you imagine being swallowed by a well? You know, I'd heard uh, for years, they, somebody kept saying, oh, it was a big fish, it was a big fish. Yeah, Jonas calls it a big fish. But Jesus called it a well in Matthew, by the way. Matthew 12, 39, 40, somewhere in there. Jesus called it a well. So 
It's a whale. He was swallowed by a whale. Three days, three nights in there. He has seaweed wrapped around his head. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I can't imagine still being alive. I'd be like trying to blink and see if my eyes still open because it's going to be black in there. I'm just like, am I still alive? I keep touching myself. I... Unbelievable. But when he got on his knees, he repented. Jonah went through so many things before he decided to repent for his rebellion, though. Three days, three nights, in a stinky, slimy, disgusting, totally dark. He described as the belly of hell. That's what the word says. The belly of hell. I believe it was all because of fear. You're saying, Pastor, that's a long way around to get to this point. My sermon tonight is about fear. My sermon tonight's about fear. How many know that there's people living in fear right now about what's going on in this world? God has called us to do a work. God has called you and I to partner together and do something great and mighty. God called Jonah to do something. He was scared to go into the city where he thought he was going to die. I told you this looks just like us today. Looks like us. I believe it was all because of fear. Nineveh was a wicked, cruel city. And Jonah was told by God to cry out against it. He was to tell them that in 40 days, if they didn't repent, the wrath of God was coming. What to do when I know what to do, but I don't want to do what I know to do. Someone might think, well, God hasn't spoken to me about anything. How many has ever had a Bible? How many has ever seen a Bible? Let's just start there. <laughs> you ever seen this book? This is the Bible for everybody that hasn't seen one. This is the Bible. If you've seen a Bible, if you've read a scripture, if you've picked this book up at all, it spoke to you. It's, it's alive. It's a living word. It's a love letter from God. And this word right here will give you life. God has spoke to you. He's left you one book. Brother Burl, you say all the time, he only left you one book. Read it. Read that one book. That ain't so hard. Read that one book. God's never spoke to me. He has through his word. God's given us his words to guide us and to direct our lives. It's called the Bible. There's specific instructions in his word that are being broken, being diluted, being ignored. But pastor, it's hard to do all the things that's listed in this Bible. You know, I still love him, though. It's not what the Bible said. John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Them commandments are in this Bible. And there's more. I say it all the time. There's more than just 10 commandments in the Bible. It's time to repent. It's time to stop rebelling before it's too late. Shelly, would you come? Jonah knew what to do. He knew his assignment. What I'm going to ask you tonight, how are you going to react tonight? How are you going to re react to the words you've heard? The youth just walked in here about 10 minutes ago. How are you going to react tonight? You've heard the Word of God again tonight. you got two sermons. There's a two-for-one tonight. What a bargain. How are we going to react to God's Word tonight? Are we going to act in rebellion and say, God, you're not for me. Your Word's not for me. I'm going to go the other way from the Bible. I'm going to go the other way from what you have for my life because I think I can do it better. Are we going to push it under the rug and plead, get, uh, just plead ignorance again? What to do when I know what to do but don't want to do what I know to do? Would you stand with me?
Brother Andrew, if you guys want to get in position and get ready to go. Brother Hunter is going to be baptized in just a few minutes. We're going to get all situated. But I'm going to ask you tonight, if everyone bow your head. Close your eyes. In a time of quiet and seriousness, if you're here tonight, you've heard me speak. You heard Pastor Andrew speak, and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior. Jesus died for you particularly. He died for each and every one of us. See, it took a sacrifice. It took a perfect sacrifice to save our soul. They were doing it with lambs and goats. God said, I've got the perfect sacrifice. I love you so much, I'm going to send my only begotten son. He said, whosoever will can come. We're that whosoever. We have the right to it. We can go to God. Any time of needs, any time that we have needs, we can go to God. Our biggest need, though, in our life is a Savior. It's a God that we can lean on, that we can trust. I'm going to ask each one of you, as your heads bowed, Christians, saints, sinners, it doesn't matter who's in this room, what I'm going to say to you, I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer with me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I want to be saved. I believe you are the Son of God, and you died for my sins. And God the Father raised you from the grave. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if I confess my sins, confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in my heart, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, I'll be saved. So I confess my sins. I ask for forgiveness. I say no to Satan. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. We believe if you repeated that prayer in a minute from your heart, God is faithful to forgive you of your sin.